everyone, and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We are excited that you are with us tonight. Uh, we are kicking off the month of autism awareness on our, our broadcast. And um, tonight we are talking about understanding behavior and your child's sensory needs. And my special guest tonight is Matt Sloan. Welcome, Matt. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, it's great to have you with us again. Um, definitely, um, Matt has been on our, our uh, broadcast before, and I will make sure to link that in our YouTube video after um, this interview so you can, can watch that interview as well. But um, we're glad to have you back and glad to be talking about this this subject. And um, um, I was commenting to Matt even before the we started about his background. He, he is in a beautiful Washington State <laughs> and outside. So um, got to enjoy that weather when you can. <laughs> Especially in Washington, yeah. Yes, exactly. I used to live on the West Coast. <laughs> Very wet a lot of the time. So, um, so yeah, thanks for joining us and talking about this. I know it's an issue that a lot of um, families deal with. Whether we have kids on the spectrum or not, we, um, we deal with behavior issues and um, kind of wonder if they're related to something that we can, we can help our child with that, that it isn't just disobedience. It's something that they're dealing with internally. So, um, so I'm excited to address that issue and, um, and to, to kind of dig into that a little bit with you. Um, I also want to thank Notgrass History for sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Uh, we will hear a little bit more about them about halfway um, through this broadcast. So thank you, Notgrass, for sponsoring this episode. And if you are joining us, I see we have viewers popping on, but um, we would love for you to be able to, um, to share this with someone else that, um, that you know that may also have questions, comments about um, behavior issues and sensory needs for kids, and we want you to be part of the conversation. So um, whether you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, or Periscope, you can put um, your questions or comments in the feed and, and be part of this conversation. So we, uh, we welcome you um, to, to do that. So, um, so Matt, as we are getting started, I would love for our audience to get to know you a little bit, um, what you do and why, why you talk about um, sensory issues, uh, sensory needs and behavior, um, how that's all mixed into what you do and what you're passionate about. Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Matt. I'm an occupational therapy assistant. Um, and that's, you know, occupational therapy has kind of a pretty broad umbrella. Yeah, it really I, does. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot you can do in that, in that, uh, in that practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I generally am trained in, in sensory integration therapy and that's where okay. I pull a lot of what I do. Um, so that's, that's, it's, if you don't know what that is, that that's a specific type of therapy, uh, designed by Dean Ayers, Dr. Dean Ayers in, in the seventies, um, and it's it's a bottom up approach. It's, mm. it's a way to work with kids through, through getting their sense sensory systems kind of integrate into work. Yeah, because that's mm-hmm. with, with autism. There's generally a sensory component. Yep. Um, so I before I got into this, I was a special education teacher, and okay, my my main focus was or my the, the biggest population I worked with, and I did this for roughly thirteen years, was kids with social motor behavior disorders. Mm-hmm. And I, I took a, a more of a behavior approach, a cognitive approach to behavior. And, you know, that stuff, yeah. that stuff's great. It works. It, um, mm-hmm. There's a place for it. I w- had I known 
then what I know now, I would have done things a lot differently with folks, a lot of oh, my we, we can all say that, can't we? <laughs> yeah. No, right. I know. But I feel like it, when you're working with a kid and there's, and there's, uh, there's behaviors, then you have, it's, it's a full front. I mean, it's a, use all your tools at your disposal. And I feel right. like sensory strategies are, are, can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and working with kids and, while you're using any other strategies. Like, you know, yeah, and I'm excited for you to share some tonight because I know you said you had a lot of them to share. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. So you have a, a business called Sensory um, Fitness. Yes. Well, yeah. And- yeah, I, I run Sensory Fitness. It's uh, it's a fitness program for, for everyone, but generally the, my clients are generally on the spectrum, struggle with sensory processing disorder or ADHD or some kind of neurodiversity. A lot of my kids, they don't, um, they just, they don't like movement. They don't do you know, mm. well in, in, in sports and they, some of them don't get off the couch and do a lot of stuff. But, and then uh, on the other end of the spectrum, a lot of them are just, they love it. They're all the avoiders. Um, yeah. So I do my best to, to work on getting them to a place, a ready state and mm. working on motor skills. So those are kind of my two, two things I think. That's um, great. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that you point out the both ends of those that spectrum because um, kids that are sensory, you know, that have these sensory needs can be on one or the other. And we, we want to focus on just, you know, how you typify a child that has sensory needs. And it can be such a wide range. Yes, yes. And, and I know as we were talking before the, we started this broadcast, we were, we were discussing about the difference between um, difficulties versus diagnoses. And I, I think we can get so hung up on that because a lot of parents will say, well, but my child doesn't have a diagnosis. Can they still have sensory needs? And um, so I'd like you to, to dive into a little bit of that um, sure. and to explain that. It's just a... It's just a- all right. Well, it's, everything's a spectrum, right? We're all sensory. We all have sensory systems and we all have, yeah. sensory, we all have sensory difficulties at some point or another. A lot of it's related to stress, where our stress level is. You know, imagine when you're in a minivan and I, I drive a minivan. I love my okay. minivan. <laughs> I got my kids in the back, the dogs, my wife's uh-huh. there and the, the radio's on. It's raining. So like that's a high stress situation. So what do you right. do? You turn down the radio, you tell them to be quiet, you put the wife mm-hmm. away, you reduce that sensory input. So you can focus on one thing at a time. That's yeah. you know, that's a sensory that sensory struggle. Mm. People with PTSD, um, uh, kids with faces, uh, adverse childhood experiences can can hang on to to it can it can develop into a sensory difficulty. Mm. Um, difficulty to touch, sound, sight, these things. Um, right. So there's that, and then there's also people with like disorders. So so anybody on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. I, I've said this at a couple of talks, and actually people with autism came up to me later and said, well, I have autism and I don't have any sensory issues. I'm not going to, I'm not going to debate that. You tell me that's, that's fine. But generally uh-huh. I, I see that anybody, most people on the autism spectrum generally have sensory, pro- generally have sensory processing. Disorder. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, and that's disorder is different than the difficulty. Disorder is, gets in the way of life significant to the point mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. one of my, one of my kids, um, uh, when a teacher spoke her hands, like that's, that's some crisscrossing stuff going on. That, that gets in the way of life, right? Uh, or, okay. you know, uh, certain, uh, a lot of kids on the spectrum, they do a lot of, you know, they'll cover mm-hmm. their, their, 
They're a yeah. My daughter old. walks around the house with her noise canceling headset on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, Stop them from functioning as best they could. So mm-hmm. that's a disorder. And if you have, if you, if you, if it's significantly impacting, you know, I suggest going to get therapy. But there's still, mm-hmm. and you know, therapy is. I always suggest sensory integration therapy. Mm-hmm. If you know an OT, um, OTs are the ones that generally. Uh, administer that kind of therapy, but not all OTs are trained. In That's a good point. Yes. Um, okay. But it's, a good, mm-hmm. it, but it's not the only thing that works. I think it's, it's, it's the, it's it kind of gets to the, the bottom. It starts mm-hmm. from the ground up, get, getting to the root of a problem. Um, yeah. But there's also, besides getting therapy, there's also a lot you can do at home and you, just, mm-hmm. you can modify environmental modifications around your house. And there's activities you can do with your kids as well. Yeah. That's, that's great because yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that t- tonight. Um, those those things you can do around your house. Um, I'm excited for you to share that. It, it's interesting. I I think um, I, I heard I can't remember where where it was, but they they said that teenagers now have the majority of them have adrenal issues, and um, and a lot of it is just stress related with just yeah. what they go through on a regular basis, and it does create sensory needs mm-hmm. for just kids across the board, whether they, they're just having difficulties in life without a diagnosis. So, um, yeah, being in a high state of stress can, you know, just kind of like that minivan thing. Mm-hmm. Another way I, I try to explain it to people is, you know, we all struggle with sensory issues and if you're in a high state of stress. Like let's say you're at a party and you're having a conversation and you, you're, you're at that high level of cognitive cognition. You're having a mm-hmm. conversation and you're hobnobbing and everything's going great, but you really have to go to the bathroom. You're going to be able to to remember. You have Uh to take care of that sensory need. That's you have Mm -hmm. to deal with that. Same thing. It's it's uh, along those lines. Like you you have to go take care of that sensory need before I can get to the higher cognitive. A lot of our kids struggle with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe maybe the noise is too loud. Maybe they're uh, they're not feeling their bodies as they should, or the vestibular system's off. Right. Things like that. Yeah, that's a very good analogy because I think we, we've all experienced that. So <laughs> at least maybe not at a party, but just in general. <laughs> right, exactly. So um, so before we dive into um, some sensory strategies, I know we have some viewers. So if you're watching and say, thinking, well, you know, this is something or if there's a strategy that we're going to be talking about and you want to know more about it, definitely put your comments or questions in the feed. We like to incorporate those into our discussions. So, um, so Matt, what are some of your favorite um, sensory strategies? Well, oh, man. Well, okay. <laughs> so I always start with getting to a kid. So why would we use a sensory strategy in the first place. That's a good, yes. The same reason you would use a behavior strategy is to get the kid back on, on track or to do something you ask them to do or, you know, mm-hmm. to be, to be at a, a ready a state, a, a state of learning, a, an optimal performance range, however you want to say it. I mm-hmm. want my kid, I want my kid to do his work. Okay. So right. generally I look at it. If the kid is, um, my son, you know, my, my little guy, he's often way up here. He's, he's like, <laughs> So when I see that, if I see a kid, a really, really high alert level, and mm-hmm. they're really, um, just running around the house and they are having, they're all over the place. So I, I, I'm going to do my best to, to kind of, number one, I'm going to reduce visual if I can mm. um, and reduce audio. So I'll use less language. 
that, can be, that can be hard in the home, especially when you have kids and dogs. And, right. But, mm-hmm. you know, you, but the, the point is that you do, do what you can to help reduce, reduce those. And I'm going to give them um, two things that always help me organize my, my, my brain is heavy work. It's one of, sorry, one of the things that helps mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. moving weight. When I pick up weight, that automatic, that's proprioception. That's like, I'm using, I'm actively using my muscles. Hmm. And when I, when I move things, there's a reason why you feel really good. And, and when you go to the gym hmm. and one is you're getting all the benefits of exercise, but also you're getting that, that deep proprioception. I'm using my muscles and that releases serotonin and dopamine, which, which are organizing chemicals. Common uh, chemicals. Okay. So any way you can do that. I mean, I can give you strategy, you know, Client, so how do you do active proprioception? Right? So active mm-hmm. muscle use. Climbing, crawling, slow slow things I, I would try to suggest or okay. moving moving weights, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. The other one is heat pressure is another way to kind of bring bring me down. And that's like putting weight on the, uh, maybe a weighted blanket or weighted blankets, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son loves to lay down with the dog on top. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So he takes he gets a dog. Things like that. <laughs> um an, a really cool one, and this is one that I as oral motor activities where I, I, I wish I had thought of this before I got came today, but I should have brought some of my stuff. Um <laughs> but you know, using using a straw to blow into water, to blow bubbles into water. Oh that's uh-huh. that's that's activating my core. That takes a lot of breath work. I'm I'm there and I'm promoting that that calm breathing, first the breathing. Right. That's heavy work. Things like that. Hmm. Um, and parents get mad at kids when they blow bubbles in their milk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we come over and run. Oh yeah, and you know you're, you're strengthening the lip seal, and that's you need these things. Mm-hmm. You need a strong diaphragm. You need uh, a lip seal to for calming. It's it's a it's a what do babies do when they're stressed? Right. That deep they breathing suckle. is so important. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they 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 suckle. They they they. They do that. We still do it when we get when we get stressed with people put pens in their mouth. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. So that can help you kind of get organized. Um, so I, I always go to either both either both is a heavy work and deep pressure. Hmm. Now when I'm doing like the active work, um, so here's an ex- here's here's a story. So when I was a teacher, I worked with um, an alternative high school and. And I immediately, I'm also a personal trainer and I, I know the benefits of, of exercise. Mm-hmm. So we would do a thing called focus before class. And I had a couple different options. Great idea. Mm-hmm. One, some kids would do boxing with me or they do yoga in another room or they do a play basketball. Huh. And the kids that did the boxing and the um, yoga generally had a better time to come back to class. The kids that went to basketball, um, it was chaotic. They would come back and yeah. they would do work and so I didn't know this at the time, but what what usually, you know, number one, basketball is kind of chaotic. There's a ball flowing, flying over. It's open. Like there's a lot of visual stimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as much heavy work. If you think of boxing. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yoga, um, it's very slow and I'm getting all that, that heavy work. Basketball right, I'm running, it's, but it's, yeah. it's kind of light. Also, I'm activating my vestibular system, which, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the opposite of that. So anytime I, you can try it. You can just sit right here and shake your head for a minute. Right. Mm-hmm. It's going to increase your alert level. Mm-hmm. Anytime I move my, and my vestibular system is movement of my head. So when I doing these activities and I, let's say I have a kid and I'm trying to give him some active heavy work and he's crawling mm-hmm. over the top, but he's, 
he's falling and he's jumping and his head is, is moving. And then I see after uh-huh. him, he's, he's worse or having still having a hard time. Then think about like where his head moving. Hmm. Things like that. It's not, it's not that cut and dry, but it's something to be aware of. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we just see it as annoying instead of yeah. this yeah. is a sign that this is what this child needs. And maybe we should take a break and do some heavy work or, or, or something that, um, yeah. And that would the, get them reset. On the other side of that, if kids are doing that anyway, if you see a kid like standing on their head or rolling around, they might mm-hmm. need to get some vestibular input. And right. that's okay. That's okay to do that. But I would always end with heavy work mm. and or depression. And the oral motor one is, I think, is one of the best. It's just, you know, the idea with kids, mm-hmm. mouth juices everywhere, right? But it's, you can be blowing up balloons, uh, blowing whistles. Oh, yes. Um, uh-huh. Any way to get that drinking through a straw and end the activity with just give the kid a straw and drink out of the straw. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. great way to do that. And you know, that, that brings me to uh, an issue that a lot of parents who homeschool often comment on is that we do these activities, but then I can't get my child back. Um, and so it makes me think that, you know, this, this analogy, the story that you had about the basketball versus the boxing or the yoga is maybe we're choosing the wrong activities and yeah. it's harder to get kids back. What else do you have um, as far as um, suggestions in that area? Well, I think, I know any movement, I'm always going to defer to movement. If a kid needs to move or they're having trouble focusing, move. I'm not going to, there's no bad movement, right? Mm. Not, not really. Uh, it, it all depends on how the kid is after the movement. That's why I always say, no matter what it is you do, try to end it with with some heavy work. Because some uh, kids, yes. some uh-huh. kids don't don't like to do the active heavy mm. work. They mm-hmm. just don't. I, 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 some people just don't like to exercise because they got to move weight. That takes effort. But right. some people get, <laughs> people get on a swing. That, that's easy. I'm not doing oh, like yeah. work, but I'm getting a ton of input. That's mm. a great movement mm-hmm. thing. But as soon as I'm done with those swingings, I would something I suggest if you can have a swing in your house or outside, use that, make sure it's, it's linear as opposed to spinning. Oh, spinning can have hmm. um, adverse effects. Uh, even four hours later, the kids just ripping around. And hmm. It's like, Oh, he loves it. Well, yeah, it's great. He's loving it. But also, um, it just, it kind of shreds the nervous, I mean, it shreds the nervous system. It can have adverse effects even up to four hours later. Just, uh, wow. Minutes. I have to pay attention to that because I do aerial silks and I spend a lot in the morning. <laughs> I do it every morning. Oh. <laughs> so. Well, if you're doing aerial silks, you're also getting that heavy work. Like you're, oh, you're, yeah. You're, yeah, I'm pulling all my yeah. weight up by my arms. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's one thing to do if you if you ever get sick from spinning, just mm-hmm. do some heavy work and you feel, you'll feel it'll help kind of organize your brain. And you won't feel too. Oh. It's the same thing. Um, huh. that's, my, that's my tech a little bit. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, so if you can, uh, if you're doing spinning, go 10 one way, one second per rotation, or so one, yeah, and then go mm-hmm. 10 the other way, and do that for a little bit, and then end with some either linear, and then try to get some heavy. I always end with heavy. I, I, when I work with kids in the clinic, or even in the, I'll, I'll try to end with some kind of slow, calm, heavy movement kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm sure that you can use just average things around your house too. You don't have to have weights. Do you have any suggestions in that area? Yeah. So optical courses are fantastic. Um, ah, yes. Especially with the little kids, you know, mm-hmm. up, and over, up and over the couch, if you're okay with it. Right. 
some of us don't like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, kind of look for ways to get creative. If, if you have just your living room, yeah, mm-hmm. moving, stacking, maybe making a cushion tower or mm. sandwiching in between the pillows or um, doing their work while they're under the couch. That can be a, that can maybe not under the couch, but maybe, you know, a chair. A table or chair. Sometimes yeah. Even, even just that can help. Just having a, my, uh, a defined space for my body. Hmm. You know, like if I just sort of think of like um, if I had a kid just sitting crisscross on the floor, he's kind of out in the open. But if I have him sit on a dot or under a blanket or on their stomach with a, with a beanbag on top, that's giving, that's letting me know where my body is. And that, yes. Coming. Uh huh. It's very mm-hmm. foundational stuff. And these are, you know, it's not a cognitive strategy, but it's something you can add to help kids feel, let them know where their bodies are and just feel that. And that, that can be just enough sometimes to stay on track. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen that before. And I, I think we, I interviewed a long time ago, we were talking about yoga and, and there was a, and this lady said that the first time she turned a girl who had autism upside down, it freaked her out, but she said she kept wanting to do it. This, this change in body um, orientation mm. just, just sparked something new in her. And, and so um, that's, I mean, that's, you just never know. That's, and I think a lot of it stems Sensory issues like that um, stem from that's a de- from development. Like as babies, hmm. that everything we know we do we do now is because of what we did when we were young. So ah, babies, know they have yeah. to, you know, their first move, they first start turning their head, and then they start to roll. And some of them, and then they start to crawl and scoot and all these all mm-hmm. these movements. If those some of those were missed, some of those milestones were missed, or for whatever reason, sometimes the kids just go from like sitting to, to, to walking in this crawl. Mm-hmm. That's, there's nothing you can do about that. Um, but right. just know that, that that might have an adverse effect on their their body mechanics and their sensory system. It's all mm-hmm. related. Movement and sensory, it's, it's, it's always related. It's really interesting. Yeah. And to, to go back and, and to, to, to kind of not just, not fill in the gaps, but just, just use use these strategies to, to, to help kids, you know, figure out what, what might be some way to, to calm them or to, to offset some things that they, because I, wouldn't you say that maybe they avoid those things that they don't know? Yes. So so that's um, kind of two ends of the spectrum there is uh, you have your avoiders and your seekers. Some, some kids don't like to move and, Mm. You know, you can almost break it down for um, sensory system. Like some kids don't like to touch things. Uh, yeah. Tactile sensitivities. They, they avoid it because they're hypersensitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's too much. So, like, if you look at the tactile system, those, some of those kids that um, they don't like the clothes on their, on their back. Or, right. You'll see a lot of, like, younger kids hold something in their hand a lot. Or um, for older kids, they'll pull their sleeves over their, over their palm or their hoodie mm. rolls up. Because interact, they don't want to interact with the world too much, so they have to mm. cover that. And it's de- it's defensive. I don't want to interact with the world. It's, it's, I sense too much, and I just need to narrow it down. Mm. With the minivan, I got to turn it down and move it. Right. Like um, vestibular, some kids don't like to move because that the vestibular system, it's it's not as integrated as it could be. It, it, mm. it feel weird. Or sends them into a tizzy. Right. Yeah. 
So, so then sensory integration is, is a lot of just, just getting to places where they're trying to avoid, but, but slowly working into those places. Is that kind of a good yeah, description? Of? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you want to the senses to kind of work together. So when I, when I walk down the street and I'm, I know I, I can feel the wind on my face, the sun on my, mm-hmm. the sun on my skin, the, the cars going by, uh, the clothes on my back, the change in the, in the ground. That's all of my senses work. Um, Got it. So if I have an issue with one sensory uh, system, it can affect the rest. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So, yeah, the big three that I look at are, 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 are tactile, proprioception, and vestibular. Those are the big three. Um, and those are the ones, I mean, uh, so we were just talking about the tactile system. That's, that's one example of the vestibular um, some kids, you'll see a lot of proprioception seekers, kids that, that are active. And they, they, this was me as a kid. I didn't really mm. feel, it's feel my body. It's almost like when you go over, you're driving and you go down the hill real fast. And you, uh-huh. get, you can get that feeling in your body. Mm-hmm. I, you don't feel your body. So you, you get up and you do things to feel. Like I, mm. I, I'll hit the, or you would hit things or pick things up or run around and bolt. Right. A lot of very low birds because then that gives me some body sensation. I can feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. Now I know where my body is. Okay, now I can. Right. Well, that can be kind of scary as a parent when you when you see your children doing that. Yeah. But but it's good to understand the why behind it and why they're doing that and and to be able to to feed that um, with safe activities <laughs> so that they they become more integrated. Yeah. So so you asked me for some strategies. We, we kind of just talked mm-hmm. about heavy work stuff. And some right. nice but tactile is a big piece of that. There's a lot of tactile activity. Hmm. Um, just uh, having, it depends on the kiddo, but having a brush. Yes, I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. It could be a comb or whatever. Or letting them, that's that deep squeeze, that, that deep pressure, that's tactile. Tactile mm. is touch and deep pressure outside in. For a kid that can squeeze into stuff or have certain textures they can pet. Um, if you have a dog, that can also be very helpful. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. All, all the more reason to get a pet. <laughs> well, we have three cats and a dog, so I think <laughs> we've fulfilled that one. <laughs> we have a question from a viewer um, or just a comment, I guess. Um, Kenya says, this information is excellent. My kids need sensory integration therapy. I live in the Dominican Republic, and it's fine. Could Hard to find a good OT. I'm, so um, Matt has some things online that um, could you give um, give her well, some some information just about what you do and and how she. I'm going to put your your website up again so cool. that um, yeah, I have some things on uh, at sensorfitness.org. I have um, uh, there's some videos that I have on there. You can you can check out. Um, I, I'm in. I'm in cahoots with Lackey Kid. You can go to their website, and we do a couple of uh, videos once a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some stuff on YouTube. I don't. I, I'm sorry, I don't even know where my stuff is. It's out there. You type yeah. in fitness somewhere. Yes, it, if you go to your website, which I was at yeah. on today, it's it's all connected on there. So it's all yeah, sensoryfitness.org. I have mm-hmm. a video series called uh, Sensory Solutions for Challenging Behaviors. Mm. So, make a lot of noise. And that's the whole video series dedicated to speech. <laughs> teaching, um, it's for dedicated to teaching uh, parents and caregivers uh, how to work with uh, some sensory tips at home. Getting into the meat of whatever the stuff I just talked about. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that's great because because there are people um, like Kanaya that um, that do live in in rather remote places. Um, and, you know, I used to live on a farm in the middle of nowhere and, and having some resources to be able to use was definitely helpful when, when I had younger kids. So, so having those resources online and with COVID, uh, it seems everybody's going, going online anyways. So, um, so, so she said, thank you, um, for that. So, um, so before we dive into to any more, and especially where I, we're going to also um, talk about just movement in general, which I know we've been talking about a little bit too, um, let's take a break and hear from our sponsor, and then I'll bring Matt back and we'll continue this conversation. So if you have questions or comments um, like Kanaya, um, definitely put those in the feed and we will include those in our conversation the next half an hour. So, um, so I'll give you a break, Matt, and I'll see you in just a few moments. And um, I would love to um, thank Knotgrass History for sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Um, Knotgrass History, I'd just love to tell you about them and also let you know that we've done already one unboxing. Um, we're working on another one that, um, but on our YouTube channel, we're gonna have some reviews coming out about some of their, their history programs. But Knotgrass History helps families like yours succeed at homeschooling. Students enjoy learning and parents feel confident teaching. Nagras history curriculum use narrative lessons, primary source documents, historical novels and biographies, and hands-on activities to create engaging learning experiences for children of all ages and abilities. Your family can study U.S. history, world history, geography, government, civics, and economics. And I'm reviewing their, their economics um, high school program. So um, Nagras history helps history learners become history makers. You can visit them at Nagras history, or sorry, Nagras.com and learn more about them today. So thank you, Nagras, for sponsoring again this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations, and um, definitely you can check them out at notgrass.com. So we're going to um, come back here. Let me bring Matt back up on the screen. And, um, and so we've had a great first half an hour talking about a lot of things. And um, Amy just says, sorry, late. <laughs> That's okay. It's um, even if you're joining us late, um, just want you to know that this is all being recorded. It'll be on, on YouTube <laughs> indefinitely, as long as YouTube's there. Um, so, so you can go back and, and catch the first half an hour um, after we are done with the, the live recorded sessions. So, um, or you can listen to the podcast that's going to be coming out on Sunday as well. And you can check out all those links on our, our website at spedhomeschool.com. So, so Matt, we had a good first half an hour talking about um, some some century strategies and a whole lot of other things about behavior and um, the, the difference, difficulties, diagnoses, um, and just kind of how we all have sensory issues is, you know, kind of the, the meat and potatoes of it all and in that we, we need movement. So, so why is that? Um, you know, as I, I, I told you before the broadcast, you know, a lot of times parents will say, I just want to get the work done. You know, why, why do we have to take time for this? And can't we just like plow through the schoolwork, you know, just do a little bit of movement and, and, you know, call it good. Um, so why is that movement sure. just so important? It's so important. Well, it's, you know, 
it's important for kids because they are still developing. Mm. So they, you know, movement is movement is crucial for brain development. It's just the bottom line. We all everything we we learn is because mm. out of the birth canal. You know, until today, we, we movement is incorporated. In mm. um, um, so I just totally got off. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, movement, movement is, sorry, yeah, because especially for kids, movement is, is cool. So th- there's that. And kids aren't moving as much as they used to. That's just, that's kind of, it's a fact. It's, that it's, is so true. Mm-hmm. A, you know, from babies, you know, like um, my, my my kid, I, I especially a younger one, I really swaddled him. Because mm. that's the only way I can get him to shut up. If you just <laughs> But then, because I'm doing that, I restricted movement, and you know he had a lot of behavior problems later, and that was because of it. I don't know, but uh, mm. but um, there's we definitely keep kids kind of contained a lot more from babies, everywhere from swaddling to baby seats, all the way up through adolescence with, with the increase of technology, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that, right? But then you know kids are outside less. I, I live on a street with uh, there must be 20 kids on the street. I never see them. They never leave their. You know, it's mm-hmm. people are scared that. You know, rightfully so, that kids are getting hit by a car on the street or they get abducted. These are real fears, and that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. But also know that kids are not out in groups, finding trees, throwing rocks, playing with sticks, right. making decisions. You know, together, um, there's they're not walking to each other's houses and knocking on the door saying, "Hey, you know, those mm-hmm. those are like so more social skills." But that's movement involved. You know, yeah. just, kids are just not moving as much, and so we we see an uptick in behavior. And enough mm-hmm. diagnosis like ADHD and, and sensory processing disorder. And a lot of time, it's just kids needed to move. Yeah, misdiagnosed as well. Um, so yeah, just so movement is is crucial, and especially especially from like that from birth to, to eight, nine, ten. So that's mm-hmm. when the nervous systems are really developing. After that, you're, they they kind of I don't want to say solidified, but it'd be a little different walking up an adolescent. But still, movement is still crucial. I'm an adult. I need to move. I can't focus. If I don't get my exercise at some point in the day, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I have to bring my alert level. I need to be able to focus. Right. I, I drink coffee. Like, uh, well, right. That's, that was what I was thinking too, but it, it just doesn't do the trick. Like a good workout can. We're all seeking homeostasis and we, everything is, um, we do that through movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, um, sorry, I'm just going to keep talking. So, oh no, that's that's so, good. I, kind of as I was saying before, you know, a lot of people ask me, uh, a lot of parents ask me, what kind of movements? And mm-hmm. yeah. you know, as I was saying before, like any movement, any time you're doing activity, it's going to be that's fantastic. Um, taking into account all the sensory information I was talking about earlier, yeah, and there are specific movements you can do, specific things you can do, and this is how I think of it. Number one, I I would the three things I focus on are, are one of them is posture, so. Helping the kid increase their posture, having stable joints, especially in the shoulders. Because mm, yes. I'm on a loosey goosey posture, that my posture dictates my alert level. It, it dictates hmm. my emotions and vice versa. My emotions also dictate my alert level. So some kids are kind of stuck in this excited response. Ah, these are right. kids, maybe some of our toe walkers. That, that's an extreme uh, yes. stance, right? Mm-hmm. When, you, when you get scared, you do this because all mm. your tension muscles. Uh, um, yeah, they just tense up and yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in this position, it's going to put me in a, in a higher level state. 
things like that. So um, I'm going to try to focus on flexion and vice versa. Some kids are just down here. So I'm going to focus on things like that. So I'm going to focus on strengthening. So stable stable, uh, uh, joints in the shoulder, elbow, wrist, help with Mm -hmm. joint loading, things like that. Without without stable these three, then this is going to be difficult to to navigate. Find more that. So posture one. The other one is coordination. So coordination, having a middle of my body, that's the foundation of coordination. So Mm. what I mean is like there's a a midline down your body. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have two hands, two eyes, two ears, two legs. These things have to coordinate together to move the people. Think of all the things you're doing today. It's your hands coming together or crossing midline or or your arms and legs um, working together. I forgot the word. Bilateral movement or, uh, in, or something like that. I don't know. I, I'm not an expert in that area. <laughs> I, did, I did get my shot yesterday, so I'm a little... Right, yes. I'm out of it. Um, so, but all of these things have to coordinate. So that's one thing I'll focus on. I'll, I'll focus on it working at midnight or crossing mm. midnight. That's a big deal. Yeah. Things like that. Uh, and that's, it also includes my eyes and my ears. You know, that they, when I read, I have to cross midline. As soon as I, I'm reading yeah. this, this mm-hmm. eye is crossing midline. Once I get to here, now this eye is crossing. And mm-hmm. if I have difficulty, that I don't have a center of my body, that can be different. Um, right. Even how I walk, things like that. And then the third would be kind of the, the motor, the motor planning. And if, you know, if I kind of focus on those other two, that motor mm-hmm. planning I'm, I, I kind of work on, but I can be intentional about, about how to work on it. And motor planning is just, is doing novel movements I don't normally do. Hmm. So like if you say to a kid, um, okay, get your mat. Okay, well, what does that mean? That's hmm. not like, I, that's not something I normally do every day, or maybe it is, um, but that's not something I normally normally do. That means I have to turn around, I have to go find my book, I have to know the page to open it, so I have to get my pencil, get my, my other notebook, open that up. That's a lot of steps. So if oh, I yeah. have good motor planning, a, a general statement like that can be very. Let's get ready for dinner. Uh, what, is, uh, what are you talking right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go get the plates. Hmm. Right, I can do that. I can do that. Go get the plates. Put the plate on the counter. So it's like things like that. Uh, multiple steps. Okay. Do or, right. Where it's like you know second nature. Mm-hmm. You every day. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot to to think about. Um, you know, you, you talked about that that heightened sense of um, that that kids are in, and just that that posture, and and just I remember hearing something about just how core strength in kids has gone down so much. Um, yes. And and Kanaya said that her her son is a toe walker. He's he's seven years old. Mm. Um, what are what are some ways that you can you can work on that posture um, with with kids? Oh, toe walking or uh, toe walking specific? Um, well, either that or um, or just posture for oh, sure. in general. So I, I look at core strength, joint stability. So posture, yeah. I, core strength, joint stability, uh, trunk rotation. Hmm. Next string. So that's kind of how I, I guess. I never thought about flexibility um, being yeah, involved with 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 posture. Yeah, your trunk because like a lot of kids, you mm-hmm. might sit and they have that kind of collapsed trunk space. They're kind of like oh those. yeah, uh-huh. that, that affects yeah. the tension level. From it's the same thing with those rounded shoulders. 
Mm-hmm. But what I'll do, I'll do a lot of like on my stomach super, uh, superhero poses. You know, oh yeah, that's uh-huh. a great way. That's that's a great way to work on core, or just the opposite: flip them over on your stomach and bring your knees up. Hmm. Now those are exercises, or those are. But I try to do it through play. That's another thing I try. That's another thing that's kind of big. Is any any time I do anything, I try to do it through play. Hmm. If I have a kid do exercises and that that, that motivates them, great, awesome. Yeah, but if there's not many of them, yeah. <laughs> just a lot of what they. It's good that they're getting the strengthening. That's good, mm-hmm. but I'm also looking for them to, to know how to move their body. It's not just about mm. holding that position. That's part of it, but also want them to be able to hold that position and roll and move their body naturally mm. or smoothly. So, um, you know, so I'll look for way. I'll look for fun ways to do those two positions. <laughs> So, um, so being yeah so superman on my stomach or i'm extended out and then flexion bring my knees up so even something like hanging onto a trapeze bar and bringing my knees up that's uh, uh-huh. so you can work on that a zip line but put my knees up swimming mm-hmm. while i'm on my stomach that's extension pulling a kid on a scooter either on their stomach or on their butt and they can mm-hmm. things yeah because like, you have to you have to balance and balance is huge for core strength well, yeah, but just, yeah, exact balance and then just holding that position. And, mm-hmm. and it's fun. And that's, you know, who doesn't want to be pulled around on a scooter? I mean, I would love that. Right. <laughs> around. So, and then having fun and they're working on the hand strength, you are working on shoulder stability because they're going to the rope or something. Oh, Things yeah. Like yeah, I think we used to use skateboards for that too. Yeah. You know, yeah. when we were little, you'd just go down the driveway on those things. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. And didn't know we were working on our core strength. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, you know that's what you do when you. That's a, being outside and kids naturally naturally gravitate towards those things. Mm. Uh, I just feel like a lot of that that time outside, climbing trees, throwing rocks, digging in the dirt, is right. limited. Um, that's not true in all the cases, but I feel like mm-hmm. from what I see, a lot of my kids that I see, I ask them how much time they spend outside. Like, look, we did those video games. I'm like, ah, oh, cow. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was was the mother with my my teenage daughter who said the same thing a couple of weeks ago, and she's she stopped doing aerial stunts because she was so sore and had so many other issues. And I was like, oh yes, she hasn't been on them and hasn't done any exercise. But yeah, fortunately, she had somebody else talk her into it, telling her she needed to do it because <laughs> I think we get those teenagers and and they're like they don't want to listen to mom and dad, but um, maybe they'll have a another voice of reason speaking into their lives. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I might have sounded a little condescending there, like get your kids outside. But I mean, my kids are inside right now watching a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's just to be aware that you know mm-hmm. we all we us as parents, especially we're at home with our kids. We we need our time and if, to to structure my kids time all the time it's exhausting it's impossible right so, no knowing that knowing the movements that help with motor skills and, and enforcement and all of that is is alone beneficial so when they do a do mm. you can kind of focus on that. yeah that's that's a good point and um it's it, it's nice to you know to know what what would be most effective if um if we have that time or we plan it um into our our homeschool day so that um so it's getting them the things that they need to to build on those those three areas that you were talking about so so we talked about um 
blanking, um, posture <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and just some exercises for that. But what about the other two areas? What, what types of exercises can parents focus on that are pretty simple? You know, one thing is, um, using things like, a uh, there's a, there's a guy you can find him on YouTube. His name is Jake White. He, he runs a program called that. I hand body. And all he does is he has a whole bunch of activities you can do to fall. Huh. Right? Because you think of a it's low tech, right? So mm-hmm. it's just simple, simple, something as simple as like uh, moving the ball back and forth through hands, and then you, you upgrade every time. So then you bounce huh. the ball. Yeah. On the other hand, you bounce opposite ones. Like, he has thousands and thousands of oh, things wow. like that, coordinating mm-hmm. activities. So something with a ball can be, throwing a ball around can be great. Um, what I would watch, like, is the, when my kid throws the ball, is he crossing midline? So mm. it's not, you know, I, I'm sitting down now, but um, some kids will throw and they'll put their the same foot out that their hand is. Oh, yeah. I never thought like, about that. I'm mm-hmm. not, like, crossing my midline. That, that, that can be, so I may want to flop the other foot. Or maybe I'll just want to throw a, a big rugby ball or a football or a soccer ball, something they have to use two hands. Mm. And maybe we'll do, like, a, a side pass. Things like that. Coordinating mm. meeting activity. Or kicking a ball across, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have to be arms and legs. You know, you can use like a um, a toilet paper roll and just look through your right eye and look, you know, look for things across over here and then vice versa. Hmm. And then do the same, take that same tube and put your ear, you know, across over here. So you're, you're taking anything on this side and bringing it to that side. Uh-huh. It's like that. Uh-huh. There's, there's a million of them. Um, and then putting it all together with the motor plan piece, I love obstacle courses. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. if you do a step, then two steps, then three steps, you keep adding onto it. Mm-hmm. One thing I always try to promote is I do, we do, you do. So, oh, that's that a great. With, with, uh, mm-hmm. So, I, I, I model it and mm-hmm. then we do it together so they're kind of getting more uh, support. And then they they, come up with, or they, do, they make the same one you do. And then they come up with their own. And mm-hmm. then you go through it, things like that. And generally, the, the activities within the obstacle course, I'll put in with the, this, uh, this, the um, posture stuff and, and the coordination stuff. And whatever. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter as long as you're hitting a lot of things. So. Right. Yep. Okay. So my question for you now is, um, I know our guest last <laughs> last week said, I'm not the one that gets down on the floor and does things with my kids. Um, that That's not me. I, I definitely love to, to get out and get involved. Um, but do you have any words of advice for those parents that, that maybe you're saying, I'm not sure about me doing you know, that. I'm always, I'm always, <laughs> first thing I'm always going to say is go on, just do it one time, one or two times a week. Go on then. Put on your sweat pants, get down on the floor and make a mess. Because it's good for you. It's good for, it's good to play around. You make it, you get it, you know, it's fun to throw a caution to the wind sometimes. It's just mm-hmm. that, in a cold way, in a controlled way, right? <laughs> Because then the kids get to see a part of you, and you're, you're playing, and there's like there's power in play. There's like there, there is, and there's yes. a fun, and you're you're, and maybe you know um, if you're having lots of behaviors, that time can be spent bonding, which is helpful. That's yeah. I'm always going to say that. Number mm-hmm. two, you know, there's plenty of videos on YouTube, um, things like that where kids can do that kind of stuff, or mm-hmm. signing them up for sports if they can do that, or finding a gym, places like. Uh, you know, they have these indoor places like big trampoline and things like that. Right. Yeah, they have those autism gyms and yeah, other yeah. places. There's, mm-hmm. the spectrum. There's places that do right. um, huge obstacle course kind of places. Mm-hmm. And 
kicking the kids out once in a while and just locking the door, I think it's fine. Because it's <laughs> trees, even if it's rainy out, even the, and the, even if they end up staring at a tree and like just not doing a whole lot, at least they're outside and there's they're in nature and mm-hmm. there's a lot going on that you don't even know, like. When a kid is just staring into the woods. They're practicing. They're getting a that's a whole other piece of vision. But we'll say that. Oh yeah. Time. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, if I'm staring at the woods, I see little birds, animals moving. I have to track those, and that, that helps my mm-hmm. vision. Vision is a big piece of it, too, because that's also posture. Like, if I, uh-huh. if I if my eyes are weak, then my eyes are wiggling, and that's going to affect my, my posture. And then, then my hmm. nervous system's moving. Oh, yeah. Right? Never so, thought about that. Mm-hmm. Being away from screens, being away from inside, being outside is very good for your eyes. Catching, hmm. watching animals throwing rocks at like targets. Right. Or mm-hmm. digging in the dirt, you know, that's oh yeah. It will fall naturally out there anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's some some great motivation. I know um well, I think we're gonna have a blog later this month about just outdoor activities to uh to do with your kids and, and different things that you know, just rather inexpensive ways um that you can get outside and, and do some activities. So yeah, yeah. um next month is what we're focusing on. We're actually all next month we're focusing on outdoor activities for oh. um our broadcasts and and our blogs. So I'm just thinking ahead because we're we're doing those right now because all the other ones for this month are already done. But archery is a great one. I use that a lot with my kids. If you don't have to do activities. What is that? Archery. I use archery. Archery. My yes. Kids. It's fun, and you'll see right away some kids struggle with it. Mm-hmm. That does take a lot of coordination. And I I have a couple of cheap bows I got from my mm-hmm. and yeah, it's a great it's a great tool. Yeah, yeah. There's just so many things that yeah. if we, yeah, can get uh, outside and and just think outside the box too of of what what we can do instead of just uh, the norms. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, this is great. Um, I this has been some good information. Um, we only got ten minutes left, so I definitely want to give you time to to kind of say anything else. If there's anything else you have on the top of your your head before. Um, you know, I just making movement a part, a, an expectation of the day. I feel like mm, um, yeah. you know we're talking about we're kind of talking about a very broad set of movement. Right. We, we were talking about earlier. We were talking about autism and sensory and ADHD and uh, we talked about maybe mm-hmm. and movement. So you know, it's anytime I incorporate allowing my kid to move as much as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only going to benefit taking into account like, you know, the vestibular system. And, and the, I would focus on those two things as far as like sensory input as in a kid's regulation. I would look at um, tactile, the tactile input they're getting, the vestibular yeah. input they're getting, and the, the proprioceptor. And then I, maybe I would reduce, if it's too much, reduce the visual input. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well, you kind of have like this kids that like to do stuff and kids that don't like to do stuff. So kids, yes. kids that I, I would call that passive and active. So the active kids are kind of easy, right? You just give them an activity and do it. Right, exactly. But kids, it's hard. So that's why I would like incorporate where you have to figuring out a way to get the kid to move. So things like things that move, like swings, they're mm-hmm. getting they're getting the benefit of movement without doing a lot of work. But right. if I'm just pushing a kid, I'll do that for a minute and maybe I'll 
then I'll, I'll add a rope they have to hold on to. So now they actually have to use their hand. Uh huh. Getting they're getting that now they're getting that. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they I'll get a bungee cord and they start pulling themselves. So always, Mm -hmm. if I'm starting passively, I'm always going to kind of try to try to help it. Get as much as I can at it. Great advice. As you're saying, skateboarding Mm -hmm. things like that, something they can they can scoot or slide or dragging a kid on a sheet across the floor. Mm -hmm. You know. Right. Yeah. That's a good point because kids will just if if they tend to be that that one that wants to sit, they're gonna try to try to stay in that mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard, it's, especially if they're you know maybe sitting down using a tablet or on a, on a screen for. It's hard to get them to up and move. So, but it's, mm-hmm. if you think about it, it's like if you ever get on a on a roller coaster, and when you get off that roller coaster, you're jazzed, right? You're, and you didn't do any work. You just don't mm-hmm. You're very right. alert. You're very awake. Mm-hmm. For, for better or for worse, you're awake. You know? Right. You're finding ways to get that body moving without them. And then you can get, get them engaged. You yeah. Kind of bring that alert level up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. And so it, and it is possible. I, I think that's what's most important for parents to know is, you know, we've got these kids that, that are either, you know, going to drive us completely crazy because they're running around the house and doing all these things or those that are just completely sitting still and we can't get them moving, but there there's, there's hope for both ends. <laughs> yes. So, well, thank you, Matt, for sharing all of those, those strategies. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, the, the, the title of our, our um, broadcast tonight was understanding behavior and your child's sensory needs. And, and so I hope as our parents have been listening, you understand how behavior is so related to the sensory needs of your child. Um, like we, we talked about earlier, I love how you pointed out, Matt, that it, um, it, it doesn't have to be a diagnosis. It can just be a difficulty. And that's something that anybody, any child, any adult can deal with. So um, I do want to give you time to talk a little bit about your, your website, um, sensoryfitness.org. I, I had um, said to Matt, I said, he has a master class and he has a, a five-day challenge that I wanted him to talk about for sure. Yeah. The master class, I think it's on my website. It's not. It's on it my. is. Yep. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> I was on it today. It's <laughs> not my thing. So yeah, master class is, um, it's uh, access to my video series, which I add to once a month. And there's like 45 videos on, on there. That's awesome. Um, and you also get access to a bunch of last kid uh, uh, stuff. They, they have sensory equipment. And then mm-hmm. also the once a week we do this uh, fitness class. It's half an hour. It's on Tuesdays at four Pacific time. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. So, and uh, we have a couple other uh, time slots as well. There's that. Then there's the five day challenge, which is I'm not even sure what that is anymore. Oh my goodness! It was something about parents and kids to get oh, them active. Yeah, sorry. It's five. <laughs> sorry, it's five challenges that, that with video uh, examples that you, you do, and oh, you cool. take like, videos and submit them and post them, and you get discounts to the active kid. So that right. And Lackey Kids is one of our um, our partner organizations, so they've yeah. got some great stuff, and I know they're partnered with you too. So that's and then I'm great. I'm putting together. If anyone's a fitness professional, um, I'm putting together a fitness uh, for autism certification. Uh, uh, work, so anybody that works with kids on the spectrum doing fitness with them, it's it's kind of a different 
approach than other programs because I, mm-hmm. I kind of take it the sensory approach, more of a bottom up approach. I right. more of a cognitive mm-hmm. uh, kind of approach. So, so that'll be that's up great. Yeah. So, so definitely check out sensoryfitness.org um, for, for all of those resources that Matt has. And, um, and yeah, this has been a, just a, a great hour of, of information. I, um, and, and I hope it's been encouragement for a, a lot of families, too. Um, you just have so much to share, Matt. I, I appreciate you coming back on our show again. Thank you very much, Peggy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I also want to thank um, Knotgrass History for sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Um, so next week, we are going to, to continue Autism Awareness Month and be talking about, um, about autism homeschooling with a, an autism homeschooling pro. You would actually call her the expert, um, Cheryl Swoop, who is the author of um, Simply Classical, and she, she's written uh, a book on that. She has a curriculum related to that, and she used to be on our board of directors here at Sped Homeschool. Um, but a lot of people just um, just love what Cheryl has to say. It's, she has a very gentle approach to homeschooling and has two adult children now on the spectrum. And um, she's homeschooled them all the way through and continues to, to teach them now into their adult years. So um, so Cheryl will be on with us next week. So you'll definitely want to join us for, for that broadcast. And, um, and it, other things we have going on at Sped Homeschool, we would definitely like you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have a newsletter that comes out twice a week. If you don't know that, um, you can go to our website and subscribe to that. Um, all our blogs this month are also related to autism. So if you're homeschooling a child on the, the spectrum and, and want some tips, tricks, um, just some general information, um, all of our new blogs, as well as we'll be highlighting some of the older content on our website as well. Um, and then we have webinars that we just started. And so um, those are once a month, um, how to homeschool. If you're new to homeschool, homeschooling your high schooler, that's a struggling learner, and also getting creative with your curriculum. And those are put on by um, some of our team members who are amazing. Um, they are better teachers than I am. So <laughs> you'll definitely want to check those out. Um, but thank you again, Matt. Um, thank you for, for plowing through this, even though you had your second COVID shot. <laughs> um, and <laughs> yes, I think you need a rest after this. <laughs> so, and thank you again, Not Grass History, for, um, for sponsoring this episode and all of you for joining us. We appreciate our viewers and, um, and look forward to seeing you again uh, right here ne- next week, same time, same place. Uh, so have a great night, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.